Proverbs 17 tonight, Proverbs 17, go down to verse number three tonight. The Bible said the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. The fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. Before we pray tonight, I got a question. How many of y'all still need wisdom? Amen. Let's pray tonight. Ask the Lord to give it to us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, just seeking your help and your touch again this evening. We do pray tonight, Lord, you take the word of God, make it personable to us, make it real to us, make it uh, applicable in our life, Lord, and where we can apply it in our everyday life. Lord, we ask you tonight that you hide me behind the cross of Calvary, Lord, you me out of myself, fill me with the spirit of God, and simply use me for your glory one more time tonight. God, open up our hearts, open up our ears, help us to listen on purpose, Lord, help us to listen intently, Lord, not because I have something great to say of myself, but because we need wisdom. We've prayed, Lord, we've asked for it, we've sought it, and Lord, I ask you tonight that you would just simply dump it into our lap this evening and help us, Lord, to take it home with us, Lord, and use it for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We started in Proverbs 17 last week, and we played Would You Rather, but as we continue to say the book of Proverbs, you're gonna notice that we're gonna come across three people Right, And we've actually probably already met these people in Proverbs, but we're going to go back over tonight. And three other people that you're going to meet tonight in Proverbs 17 is, is, is the wise-hearted man. Look at verse number 2. The Bible said, A wise servant shall have rule over a son that causes shame and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. So we're going to see a man or a person who has a wise heart. They do that which is right, that which is uh, pleasing unto the Lord. Then we're also going to run into the wicked-hearted person. Look at verse number four. A wicked doer doeth, uh, doeth give, excuse me, a wicked doer giveth heed to false lips and a liar giveth ear to a naughty tongue. Well, if the, 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 the wise-hearted does the right thing, well, then the wicked-hearted person does the wrong thing. And so we see these two people. Then we'll be introduced into a third person uh, in verse number 18. Well, who's the third person, preacher? Look at verse 18. The Bible said, A man void of understanding striketh hands and become a surety in the presence of his friend. We have a wise-hearted person. We have a, a wicked-hearted person. And then we have an unlearned heart or a person who is void of understanding. And they do whatever they think is best. Even though there's no prayer behind it, they just hope it works out. You ever met somebody or you kind of lived some of your life that way? Well, I don't know what we're going to do. We're just going to hope for the best. Right, and then sometimes it works out and then sometimes it doesn't. Right, the Bible teaches us tonight, we're gonna to look at these three men over, or these three people over the next few weeks, but let me ask you now, which one are you? Now, of course, we like to say, well, we're the wise-hearted person and, and no doubt we've probably dabbled in a little bit of unlearning in our life, but no, no, preacher, there's no way I have a wicked heart. There's no way I could be that person. Preacher, I smiled when I came to church tonight. My heart is exactly where it needs to be. Well, here's the question. I'm not asking really for you to judge yourself or for me to judge you or for your spouse or your kids to judge you. Well, preacher, how do we figure out which one we are? Well, according to verse number three, there is a process that one must go through that reveals who we really are. The Bible said in verse number three that silver has a fighting pot 
In essence, that silver was placed in there and then that pot was placed into the fire and that which was not silver was burned away. When it was all said and done, you realize how much silver you really had. And the same thing is true for the gold. The Bible said in the furnace is for gold. And so we see tonight that silver and gold had a testing method, a, a proving ground, so to speak. And so the Bible tonight is going to tell you and I, how in the world do we figure out which one of these we are? Are we wise-hearted, wicked-hearted, or unlearned-hearted? Which one am I, preacher? Well, you have to put yourself to the test. And so tonight I'm going to preach on this thought, and really for the next few weeks, of try it out and see. Put it to the test and see which one we are tonight. Well, preacher, I, I'm, not, I'm not walking into no fire. I'm not, I'm not getting in the furnace, preacher. I, I'm, I, I'm not doing that. And I would not encourage you physically to go stand in fire and figure this out, amen? But in reality is you and I do have a testing ground. Right, we do have something to prove ourselves by, and it is the word of God. It's not my opinion. It's not your kid's opinion. It's not your spouse's opinion. It's not even your boss's opinion, right? It is the word of God tonight, and you and I are to find ourselves and, and measure ourselves and classify ourselves according to the word of God. Well, preacher, how in the world, why, why, why should we turn to the word of God? Well, Hebrews 4 4.12 tells us why. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the Bible says the intents of the heart. And so tonight as you and I take our heart and place it into the word of God, the word of God is going to point us into which direction? Right, and so we're going to allow the word of God to be our, our testing ground, to speak, so to speak, when it comes to our heart tonight. So let's go through the word of God and let's let it test you or try you and let it determine where you are or who you are and what kind of heart that you have. Well, preacher, obviously, preacher, I'm, I'm an outstanding church member and, and I, 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 I am not perfect preacher, but no doubt my heart cannot be wicked. Well, the Bible says that the reality is the wickedness of our heart is its natural state. It's who we are. We are all capable of having signs and symptoms of a wicked heart. None of us are above that tonight. Well, preacher, prove that from the word of God, Jeremiah 79. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so tonight, we're going to start, we're going we're gonna to get the difficult things out of the way first, amen? I remember being in math class, and our, I remember our teacher telling us that when it came time to test time, do what you know and leave the hard problems for last. Well, I'm going to tell you how much I listen. We're going to deal with the hard stuff first and work our way to the good stuff. So about four weeks from now, we'll get into the good stuff, amen? Y'all said it. We raised our hands together. We need wisdom. <laughs> and sometimes you got to deal with the difficult things. And so tonight we're going to we're going to take an observation of a of a wicked hearted person. What does that look like? Right, notice number 1 tonight we see the symptoms of a wicked heart. The symptoms of a wicked heart. Preach that's such harsh language. Well, you're going to take that up with God. God put in his word that way. Right, and I think the reality is we're living in a generation of time where we are trying to preach hard without Bible language. 
right? Or we're trying to be effective without calling things what the Bible calls them. And so we try to, we try to repackage something to make it sound better and more, more palatable. And the reality is we lessen it and we water it down. In the Bible, we, we just need to preach, thus saith the Lord, right? And allow, allow God to deal with hearts because it's not my job to package the gospel in a presentable manner, right? It's not my job to take the word of God and, and work it in a way where I think, well, people are gonna like this or people, it's gonna, it's gonna please people, right? There was a whole movement called the seeker movement, seeker-friendly movement, where it was you come to church and, and, and you just feel wonderful when you come in, you feel wonderful when you come out and we don't give the time or, or allow the Holy Spirit to work because we have to remember one of the workings of the Holy Spirit is conviction, the reality is conviction is not a fun place to be, right? It's not an enjoyable experience. Do you remember what it was like when you were under conviction for salvation and the Holy Spirit wouldn't leave you alone? Your heart was about to beat out of your chest. You, your palms were sweaty. You were gripping onto the pew. You couldn't sleep, all those kind of things. It was not a pleasant experience, but the Holy Spirit uses conviction to bring you and I to a place of repentance. Don't you remember when you repented of your sins? When you confessed the Lord Jesus Christ, you believed in your heart that God had raised him from the dead and the Bible said you were saved by the grace of God and you probably said, whew, I feel like a weight's coming off my shoulders. I, I feel like the, the sky is blue or the grass is green or the trees are, are more treeier. You just felt so wonderful. But without conviction, you'd never experience that. And so we see tonight as we deal with this, there may be some things in here tonight that the Holy Spirit takes his finger right to your heart and says, yep, that's you. May I remind you tonight, he's not doing that because he's mad at you. He's not doing that because he's trying to write you off. He's doing that because he wants the best for you. And so tonight we're going to look at the symptoms of a wicked heart. I, I Googled this tonight because I don't have a degree in medical sciences. I'm not a doctor by any means, but I found out, and I just did a quick Google search of, of symptoms for heart disease. And I found out about half of them were actually outward symbols. In essence, tonight, you could visibly look at somebody, and, and along with these tonight, now don't go into panic mode, right? If I name off these symptoms, you're like, oh, preacher, that's me. I need to go to the doctor tomorrow. You might, I don't know. Don't, you just do as the Lord leads, right, on that avenue. But I found out there's visible symptoms of heart disease. One's shortness of breath. You can't catch your breath. One is coughing or wheezing. One is legs or ankles swelling. In essence, if you have this uh, combined with some inward things like palpitations and uh, erratic heartbeats and different things like that, it may be time to see a doctor. Or you can just ignore the symptoms. Uh, and in essence, it's kind of like when my car begins to make a funny noise. You know how I fix it? I turn the radio up. You can't hear the noise no more. And sometimes that's what we do in our Christian life, right? God begins to deal with our heart. And he begins to deal with us on a personal level. He begins to convict our heart again, and we just turn the noise up on him. Let, 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 let me get my mind off that. Can I say, when the God begins to deal with your heart, listen and respond accordingly. We see tonight, we see some symptoms of a wicked heart. Notice this, they are motivated by falsehoods. Look at verse number four of Proverbs 17. A wicked doer giveth heed to false lips, and a liar giveth ear to a naughty tongue. Now, 
It's one thing to hear a lie, right? We, we hear them all the time. It's one thing to hear a lie, but it's something different to heed a lie or, or heed to a lie or begin to not just hear it, but now you begin to listen to it, right? That word heed literally means to perk up. It's like the dog when it hears something, those ears perk up and it, you hearken to it. You are listening intently to it. And the problem is a, a wicked heart is natural, Right, that is our, that's who we naturally are. That's why normally your first reaction will not be a spiritual reaction. Right, if I were to come down tonight and pop you right across the face, your first reaction would not be a spiritual one. But don't worry tonight, I'm not going to do that unless you fall asleep. But the wicked heart, it's natural. That's our natural thing. And the danger is when you and I begin to listen to the lies that are being told to us or being fed to us, it nourishes that wicked heart that is natural in you and I. And so we have to be careful. Why? Because there's only one person, right, who is the source of lies, and it is Satan himself. And if you are listening to him, you better mark it down. He is lying to you. He is not telling you the truth. He is not feeding you the right stuff. He is not desiring the best for you. He is lying to you. Why? He wants to control you. And so we see tonight, and one of the ways he does it, he does it through those lies because he knows when our heart gets cold and it's leaning towards its natural wicked state, just a few words from him can make all the difference. You'll begin to think things like this. I do deserve better. I, I shouldn't have to go through this. I'm a far better Christian than so-and-so, and it seems like they are skating through life, and here I am, it feels like I'm crawling. I deserve better than this. I shouldn't have to go through with this. It's not fair. I'm better than them. Right, and when you begin to listen to those lies, it begins to work in your heart, and it's going to work down this process. And we're going to look at these symptoms tonight. But it starts with a motivated by thought. Let me ask you tonight: Who are you listening to? Who are you listening? Is it more about I, 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 or is it Lord? Though I may not like what I'm going through, though I, I, I Lord, you didn't say I was going to have. Riches and gold. But I didn't think I was going to be this poor. Lord, you didn't say that, that I was going to have perfect health, but I thought I was going to be far better off than this. And the reality is not who are we listening to. They're motivated by falsehoods. Watch this. A, a wicked heart, a, another wicked of a symptom heart, isn't just that it's motivated by a falsehood, but it makes fun of the struggling. Look at verse number five. The Bible says, Whoso mocketh the poor reproacheth his maker. And he that is glad at calamities shall not be unpunished. A wicked heart takes great pleasure in the struggles of others. Matter of fact, they are excited when bad things happen to people, especially people who have hurt them or wronged them. I received news just here recently of someone whose you know, family member passed away who used to go to church here who no longer does. And I don't have an explanation of why. They don't. I didn't say, well, that's what they get. They should have stayed here. God is judging them. Can I say when I heard the news, my heart began to break. Because I know just from pastoring alone how difficult that is when somebody loves somebody so dearly and they pass on. 
So I didn't step and say, yep, look, they should have stayed here. No, that's, that's not a sign of a right heart. The Bible commands us and teaches us to weep with those who weep and to mourn with those who mourn. And so when everybody is upset and you step back and say, well, that's what you deserve. You got, and that may very well be the case in some scenarios. They made the choice, they completed the action, and now they're dealing with the consequences. But you and I should not take great pleasure in that. A wicked heart makes fun of struggling, those who are struggling it's funny, they'll say that's what they deserve unless it's them. And then they go back to the first point, I don't deserve this. They're motivated by falsehoods. They make fun of the struggling. Watch this. A wicked heart meddles until something happens. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, The beginning of strife is as one letteth out water, or as when, when, when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. Someone was joking with me the other couple weeks ago. They said, now, preacher, you've been, you've been doing a whole lot of meddling on Wednesday nights. We've been in the book of Proverbs. Talked about gray hair. I've talked about makeup. Right? And I, I even tried my best to say, now, I'm not meddling here. Right? But a person with a heart that is, that is leaning toward its natural state of wickedness, they will poke and poke and poke and poke and poke and poke until something happens. The image that is given here in verse number uh, 14 tonight is, is a great reservoir of water that is being held back and one goes and they, they poke one little hole but that's not good enough for them. They keep poking and poking and poking until everything breaks forth, forth and it's utter chaos. The Bible said if our heart's desire is to, is to, is to poke and poke and y'all are playing that game I'm not touching you. I'm not touching. I'm going to get as close. I'm not touching you. I figured out how to win that game. Just punch them back. And just say, oh, I got too close. Sorry. <laughs> I touched you. <laughs> Don't do that. But it's that, that you know what you're doing. I'm pushing their buttons. Well, how many of you know you got some buttons that can be pushed? And how many know there's people out there know exactly how to push them? How many, how many of us tonight, if we're going to get real honest, we know how to push people a button too. And we see tonight that that, that heart, when it's, it's, when it's in its natural wicked state, it'll push and push and push and push. Preacher, why, why, why would we do that? Why do people do that? Because they know if they can get you to outburst, if they know you, they can get your emotions to overflow, now they have control. See, a wicked heart always wants control. It always wants control. And you apply that across the board tonight, it's true. Wicked pastors only want control. They want to control the people. They want to control what's going on. Can I say, I have no desire in my heart to control you tonight. I'm not going to come down from the pulpit, grab you by your hands, and say, all right, this is how we're going to live the Christian life. Now, sometimes it's like, man, I, I wish I could get it across better, convey it better, and, but that the reality is it's not my job to control you. It's my job to feed you. What you do with the food, that's up to you. But you, you see tonight when, when a wicked heart is it's a desire for control, think about it this way, a wicked husband only wants to control his wife. A wicked, wicked parents only want to control their children. Anytime our heart is in that natural state, we desire control. We desire to be in, in charge in that speak. Wicked hearts always desire control. Even if I've got to meddle, to get your emotions underneath my control. Then notice this, a wicked heart manipulates through bribery. Look at verse 23. 
A wicked man taketh a gift out of the bosom to avert the ways of judgment. Set the scene for you. <laughs> you got to be careful around here. Because if you walk up to me like this, say, preacher, I got a gift for you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ducking. <laughs> right? I'm running. I might, I might return fire. But the Bible said the wicked man, he takes it out of his bosom, but it's not a sincere gift. It's not a, listen, I was thinking about you. I just want this to be a blessing to you. There's always a string attached to it. There's always a, whether it's unspoken or spoken, there's always an ulterior motive behind it. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to bribe either you or the Lord out of judgment. Trying to buy their way off. You ever seen it in the movies where that man sits down and he, he opens up his checkbook he says, how much is it going to cost for it to disappear? Right, it's not that they don't have the desire to fix anything or resolve anything. Here, here's this. Let's just pretend like it never happened. Right, and there's that desire to, to control through manipulation and to control through bribery. See, I finally figured I'd never be a good lawyer. I wouldn't be because the first thing I'd ask any, any of my clients, did you do it? And if they say, yes, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the judge. We're going to go to the jury. We're going to tell them that you did it. Why? Honesty is the best policy. <laughs> and while I, you say, well, preacher, you're not going to get enough. There's gonna, there, I'm never going to have a commercial. One call, that's all. <laughs> call all nines. My, my two-year-old daughter said that the other day. Call all nines. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't be because I... Well, you're guilty. Go tell them you're guilty. You did it. <laughs> right? And the reality is a lot of times that's how we live our Christian life. We try to bribe God. Lord, if, if, you, if you get me out of this, this time, I, I promise you, I'll never go back to it. I won't even think about going back to it. You know, good well, that ain't the truth. Right? Because we're prone to wander. Right? Our mind is a battlefield. And so we try to manipulate through bribery. And God said that's the sign of a wicked heart. A heart that is not set upon the Lord. And maybe the Lord's testing, has the testing of God's word pinpointed some symptoms in your life. I mean, I'm not asking you to raise your hand publicly and say, preacher, I got, nine, I got four of those symptoms in my life right now. But maybe the Holy Spirit has pinpointed some things. And he's trying his best to show you, hey, listen, you can either ignore this or we can get it right. And we're gonna see tonight, are you willing to repent and get those things right tonight? Because a wicked heart is not in tune with God's heart. Right? God's heart is full of compassion, mercy, and grace. A wicked heart is full of control. So, well, preacher, why is it such a big deal? Because number two, we see the Lord's stance on a wicked heart. We see the Lord's stance on a wicked heart. Look at verse number 15. He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. Why is it important to repent and get our wicked hearts right because we know where the Lord stands on the subject. He makes it real clear there in verse number 15. He doesn't call it cute. He doesn't call it a little sin. The Bible said he called it an abomination. Now, that word abomination means it's disgusting. It's, an, it's abhorrence. And if we're going to call all those other sins, homosexuality, pornography, atheism, drinking, smoking, all those, if we're going to call all those things abomination, then we need to make sure we call everything that God calls an abomination an abomination. And pride is right at the top of the list. 
and a wicked heart is founded in pride. I don't deserve this. Right, God calls a wicked heart an abomination because a wicked heart is directly opposite of God's heart. They are going in opposite directions. They're not in tune one with another. Matter of fact, we look at, you can look at Absalom and David. David was a man after God's own heart. Perfect? No. But his heart was after God. Absalom's heart was nowhere near God. And they went in opposite directions. And so we see tonight, we say, well, preacher, do we really have to call it that? I mean, preacher, it's not that bad, is it? Let the word of God call it what it calls it. It's an abomination tonight. And it's still an abomination even if we try to selfishly justify it. It goes right there in verse number 15. He that justifieth the wicked. He that justifieth the wicked. We think we have a right to have a wicked heart. A baseless claim. And it's a dangerous claim. We have no right to that. We have no privilege to that. Here's the thing. If you have a right to have what God calls an abomination, if you have a right to have a wicked heart, then that has to apply across the board. If you have a right to participate in an abomination, if you have a right to have a wicked heart and to live that way, and God has to condone it, and then you have to apply that across. What do you mean by that, preacher? If you have a right to have a wicked heart, then that means they have the right to be homosexual. They have the right to commit murder. They have the right to be a pedophile. They have the right to be the rapist. And we would say, oh, no, preacher, those are terrible things. Nobody has a right to do that. Then you and I don't have a right to have a wicked heart. And so we see tonight, well, preacher, why is it? Because we know where the Lord stands on it. He calls an abomination. Even when we try to selfishly justify it. Or we try to fool, foolishly oppose it. They condemneth the just. When I was coming up in school, I used to get underneath my skin. They would say, oh, here comes Tate, the teacher's pet. Oh, he's the teacher's pet. Why, preacher, why did they call you a teacher's pet? Is it because you brought the teacher lunch every day? No. I was too busy eating mine. <laughs> Is it because you, 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 know, you, you went out of your way, you, you brought a teacher a Christmas present, or, or you, know, you, you, you did this for that? Or th no, they called me a teacher's pet because I made good grades, I did my homework, and I made sure to do my projects. You're a teacher's pet. No, I was doing what I was told to do. It blew my mind. My, my freshman year, I, I went to C.T. Walker my middle school years, and I graduated from C.T. Walker in middle school. I mean, my middle school years were harder than my high school years academically. And I remember it was just, it was ingrained to us. You, you do your work, you do it on time, you turn it in. And I got into my freshman year of high school in my Spanish class, and we had to do a project. And now I don't remember what the project was, but I did it. But the kid sitting next to me, Keenan was his name, he told the teacher, I didn't do your project. It blew my mind. You didn't do a project? What is wrong with you? It's what we're here for. It's what we pay taxes for. Or my parents pay taxes, at least at that time. And it blew my mind. And but I did what I was expected to do, and I got the name Teacher's Pet. Oh, you're just a goody two-shoes. <laughs> I'm just trying to pass high school trying to do what everybody tells me I'm supposed to do. But then sometimes that mentality has crept into the church too. Oh, you read your Bible? You trying to live for God? You, you don't watch those things? You don't play those games? You, you don't listen to that music? What are you, a goody two-shoes? No, I'm just trying to be a Christian. 
I'm trying to do what God has put in my heart to do. And so sometimes we, we, even though we know the Lord stands against it, we either try to justify it or we try to put down those who are striving to do that. You might just be more spiritual than me. Well, they probably are. That's a really, that's a really lovely way to say it, isn't it? The same mentality, you know, it's crept into the church. Oh, you do all that, you must be a holy roller, a spiritual weirdo. I mean, I'm a Christian too. Boy, if I hear that one more time. <laughs> what is it, Richard, Jack Richard just came out, the guy that plays him, trying to justify, I'm a Christian and I can play Jack Reacher. Never seen the show. Never seen it, but I, I can tell by the rating of it, it's probably not all Christian stuff in there. I mean, it'd be the same tonight as if I said to you and said, listen, the Lord has called me to preach. And the Lord's put preaching in my heart, but I'm going to take about three months off and I'm going to go play the World Series of Poker. But don't worry, I'm a Christian. Look at me, the preacher, that, that don't make no sense. Right, and the reality is, and, and if you were to think less of me, well, then you must just, you, you're judgmental. I was listening to a message right before we came to church and the, and the preacher said, it was Brother Demon, and he said, the, the first time you ever see separation in your Bible, it is a separation between Lot and Abraham. It is a separation between a, a, a spiritual Christian and a carnal Christian. That's rather interesting because we're living in a generation. How do, you, you can't be dogmatic about that. That's hate speech. No, it's just what the Bible says. The Bible says it's wrong. It's wrong. I don't care who participates in it. I don't care what level of popularity they have. And to foolishly oppose that tonight, the Bible said we are standing against God when we do that. And just because you don't want to uh, strive to be spiritual doesn't mean you have a right to make fun of those who are. I can tell you whose, whose side the Lord is on in that equation. It's not yours. It's the one person who's striving to be spiritual. Let me ask you now, are you on the same side as the Lord in this business of wicked hearts? Are you in agreement with him? And why so preachers that big of a deal? How can two walk together except they're agreed? So we see the symptoms of a wicked heart. We see where the Lord stands on it. And then notice number three tonight, if there's anything tonight, if I could persuade you to do something about it, it's the sad realities of a wicked heart. Here's the thing, if heart disease goes untreated, it just gets worse. The same thing is true if you ignore those symptoms of a wicked heart, those things the Holy Spirit's pointed out tonight, you push it, I'm not going to deal with that, I'm going to deal with it later, I'm going to deal with it later, you will face these sad realities. Well, preacher, what are they? They're verses 11 through 13. First notice verse number 11, a sad reality of a wicked heart, it produces a hard judgment to bear. Look at verse number 11, an evil man seeketh only rebellion, therefore a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. If you don't think it's that bad, just wait until the Lord lets you live with it. I feel like I've said this a few times here recently. Sometimes, sometimes the worst thing the Lord can give you is what your heart desires. Because when your heart's not in tune with him, you're desiring the wrong thing. And you keep going after, you keep going after, you keep pushing past conviction, you keep pushing back the, the yielding and the, the warning of the Holy Spirit. You keep, God will let you have it. And once you get it, you realize this is not what I want. It's not what I desire. He'll use a cruel messenger, is what the Bible said right there in verse number 11. Well, preacher, what does that look like? Is that someone coming and knocking on my door and yelling at me and screaming at me? Here, it's, probably, it's probably more what it's going to look like. Someone you love leaving because they had enough and they can't put up with it no more. Kids wanting nothing to do with you because of the hardness and the wickedness of your heart. 
It's a cruel messenger. People giving up on you and walking out and saying, I, I can't do this no more. And it's not anything they've done. It's simply because you've ignored the symptoms and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that's a hard judgment to bear. And notice verse number 12. It leads to definite destruction. Look at verse number 12. Let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. <laughs> I don't think I have to paint the picture for you tonight. There is a saying, and it's real popular nowadays. You can go to Simply Southern and get on a hat if you want to. It says, Mama Bear. We got any Mama Bears in the service tonight? <laughs> Try me, preacher, and see. <laughs> right? I think, I'm, I think my mama ought to have a little bit of bear in her every now and again. Amen? <laughs> I've ran into a few of them in my, my younger days. And uh, we, we were playing football when I was growing up. We were playing football in the backyard, living on Fort Gordon at the time. It was me, my brother, and my friend Lance, three other kids from the neighborhood, uh, were playing football. And we, we declared blitz rules. Now, if you have no idea what that is, that means there are no rules. There's a video game that came out, and NFL Blitz, and you could just, you could pile drive people on, on that game. And so we were playing in the backyard. We declared Blitz rules. No rules. Hit you however we wanted to, and as late as we wanted to. Well, my friend Lance lined up across from the guy and kicked him. He went down to the ground. I caught the touchdown. And then we ran to the house. <laughs> and I said, like, what do you do? Why'd you do that for? Man, we was playing blitz rules. There are no rules. <laughs> that boy's mama showed up at the house. Knocked on the door. Which one of y'all <laughs> kicked my son? He did it. <laughs> that lady was about 700 pounds. I wouldn't want none of that. <laughs> Ratting them out in a minute. <laughs> I wouldn't be a good Lord. I wouldn't make it in jail. <laughs> There's a definite destruction, though, tonight. Right? When you and I allow a wicked heart to control us, we're headed to destruction. And it's not just a simple, a little, a little scrape here. It is, I'm talking about everything wiped out. And then finally, there's a lingering effect. Look at verse number 13. Whoso rewardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. It is what you become known as. That mean old codger. The person whose heart, you can just tell it's wicked in its heart. You ever been around somebody? They're just mean. It's not that they're just mean, it's just they're hard-hearted. And they're just, they're just so, so difficult. Just so, and you try to talk to them about it and they don't want to hear it. Because here's the thing tonight, you and I can't say anything the Holy Spirit hasn't already told them. And until they yield to the Holy Spirit, you and I aren't going to fix them. And it's going to become known, yeah, they, they used to be great, and then they just became hard. Their heart just, you could just, it just oozes out of them. Just like whatever you put in is going to ooze out in your life. Whatever you allow to come into your heart, into your mind, into your, your spirit tonight, it's going to ooze out in your life. The Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So we see tonight the sad reality of a wicked heart. It leads to judgment. It leads to destruction and has a lasting and lingering effect. Are you willing to let your heart, are you willing to get your heart right before these biblical realities become your realities tonight? I understand it's Wednesday night. I understand it's, it's, it's right in the middle of the work week. I understand your boss is probably crazy. 
I understand this wasn't the most uplifting message there is. But the Holy Spirit stopped by and just reminded us tonight, hey, get your heart right. Get your heart right. Because he knows on Wednesday nights our heart's struggling. Because we've been at work Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Because our boss is crazy. And the Holy Spirit said, hey, why don't you deal with that tonight? Why don't you get that settled this evening? And let's try again tomorrow. Let's strive to do better as, as we leave out of the house of God tonight. But let's